Hi, it's Joe. Hi, friends. Aislinn here. And we want to welcome you to the second half of season three of Dinner Table Talks. We are so glad that you are here at our table with us, and we are looking forward to all of the great talks that we're going to have. If you enjoy what you hear, tell a friend. Grab a drink and get your most comfortable chair. Pull it up to the table because we're about to get into it. myself up a drink before I came over here to set up for the podcast. Mm -hmm. And you heard a few episodes ago that I'm doing the fast during Lent of alcohol. Yeah. So I've been looking for at the natural grocers and the Trader Joe's and H-E-B and all the different places we go to. What are the most healthy bubbly drinks that might make me feel like entertained with a drink? So this one is called Holy Tapache. And it's a sparkling tonic with hibiscus and ginger. It says probiotic and prebiotic plant fiber. And what I think is interesting about this is on the back of the can, it says meat tapache, kombucha's bubbly cousin. As kombucha rose in the east, tapache became popular in the west. Enjoyed by the Nahua people, I don't know if I said that correctly, by the way, people of central Mexico, packed with live probiotics from a fermented fruit. Tapache has a smoother finish compared to kombucha's vinegary taste, making this bubbly beverage a favorite among street vendors across the Americas. Kevin made us some tapache one time. Oh, I didn't know that. I, Somehow I missed that. Yeah, he explained what it was. We didn't know what it was and probably didn't give it the due that we should have. That's cool. You found a new thing. Also, because last week's episode, we talked about gut health. We did. And I had a coaching session with a functional medicine doctor a couple of nights ago. A functional medicine doctor is a true MD that has chosen to work to integrate alternative methods into traditional medicine. Oh, that sounds cool. Our deal really was more of a swap, which is really cool. So I went to talk to her about gut health. We talked about candida. I think we talked about candida last week. But the primary source of what's making everything wrong <laughs> in your life. I brought up today to her, cultivate the garden of your gut. Because she keeps talking to people about understanding the life that's occurring in your gut and how many good guys, how many bad guys. And basically, that's what I talk about in the garden all the time. So here we were sitting on a Zoom face-to-face -face online, me and an MD, right. talking about cultivating gardens. She cultivates the gut garden, and I cultivate the actual soil garden. But at the same time, we're both speaking the exact same language about life and the types of life and infestations of the wrong types of life. And she made a joke. I'm now spreading it. <laughs> she says, I think that we don't give microscopic life forms enough credit for the amount of consciousness they actually have. We might not think that yeast can think like we can with the brain that we can, but we don't know that. And so what she says is that the candida actually sets off your vagina nerve, which causes you to crave food like a crazy person, like someone that's not even... So she goes, I have this theory that... The only thing left on the planet when everything else dies will be yeast and cockroaches. And cockroaches feed on sugar. 
everything feeds on sugar, but those two things feed on sugar. So anyways, it was a really interesting conversation. I did invite her to come and talk to us here on the podcast or send us a clip of something that she'd like to share with folks about gut health. She also mentioned that it's highly possible, especially because I'm a gardener and the types of food I eat and stuff like that, that I probably have a parasite. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But there's a couple of tests that you would need to take. So I think I'm going to move that direction towards having a gut health checkup. I want to welcome our friends to the dinner table. Well, hi there. I'm so glad y'all are here while we're talking about our guts again and the bubbling and brewing that's going on in our kombucha bottle. I asked our friends if they would help by sending me information about sausage. I have a sausage crisis. Yes, you do. And we're already getting information. You want to hear it now or do you want to wait another week? If we're about to talk about Daniel Benavides mentioning Vienna sausages, I'm not interested in this conversation. No, I wouldn't have brought that up. How do you not? And I gave it some more thought. And that is the, the box that we get, the big meat box, mm-hmm. always has sausage in it. And the sausage is, is accumulating. Too maybe, much sausage is our problem. Is the box not right for us? No, the box is great for us. We just got to use this sausage. Yeah, we got to ner- learn new ways. So how do you use sausage? Vienna sausages aside, David says, I made this Ukrainian borscht recipe recently. It calls for pork sausage. He used some local link sausage. Nice. That's a good one. I've never made borscht before. Okay. That's definitely a trier. And then Sandy said the Zupa Toscana, which is actually one of my favorite dishes, soups. And it goes with kale and spinach and stuff like that in it too. This time of year makes sense. And beans, I Uh, think as well. I think we go there first. Yes. Yum, yum, yum. But it shouldn't end. This is your opportunity to find us on your social media thing that you like to use and then DM us or Uh send us an email dinnertabletalks.com. And if you send us a specific recipe, we will actually try the recipe that you send us. No, I'm not saying we're going to try all the recipes. That's what I'm trying to But if to we try we the recipes, we actually want to use good recipes that you've tried. So send us some of your recipes. And if we end up using one of those sausage recipes, we'll definitely talk specifically about that on the show. Our Facebook page is the place to be, man. It was a party this week. I posted a picture of the jarred garlic and the squeezed ginger that we talked about last week. Uh-huh. And people flipped out. And well, I think it's because they're name like... Name brands and photos they yeah, know. I use that. Mm-hmm. What are they saying? You triggered a few people. <laughs> so you'll remember we were happy with the garlic. Well, Emily posted a picture of a product that we can get locally that's the same thing for ginger. Nice. But then Nicole... Nicole that did Friends with Benefits with us a couple of seasons ago. Caterer of fine Filipino cuisine. Oh, yay, yay. (laughs) That's episode 1.25. Go check it out. It's a great Friends with Benefits episode. She says, I keep my ginger in the freezer. Buy fresh ginger, peel using the back of a spoon, and store it in the freezer. Use a grater on it whenever you're ready for ginger. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I could see us doing that someday. And then several people are like, yeah, this is what I do. Yeah. Well, wait a second. Yeah. How do I not know this? Because you learn something new every day. Ooh. Unanswered questions. I'm punting on a couple of the unanswered questions. Okay. When I finally answer them, it will all make sense. Okay. But we kind of offhandedly wondered, do we have any Ukrainian listeners? And that one you were able to discover. Anchor.fm has a bunch of cool stats on their back end. I look at it every day. We have never had a listener in the Ukraine. Okay. But we have had listeners in three border countries. Interesting. Poland. 
uh-huh. Romania, uh-huh. and Russia. Cool. And we've also had listeners in three countries that border any of those countries. Uh-huh. Germany, uh-huh. which outside of America is our number two chunk of listeners. Didn't we meet some people from Germany? No, we met people from the UK. I feel like I've met some people recently from Germany too. Which is the third too. most listened to country in the world. Yeah. That's Germany, fun. Austria, and Czech Republic also all listen. That's oh, fun. They all listen. <laughs> they all listen. They all listen. No, I, I see this happening because just the other day on one of my garden page comments, mm-hmm. somebody from literally said, I live in Kenya and I just planted my garden. Thanks for your tips. And her tips, I was really talking so much about them being universal tips. So it didn't matter where you were on the globe that you need to know when to harvest. You need to know how to harvest. And I was like, dang, this is fun. Well, do you know what's also fun? <laughs> what else is fun? Ring-shaped pasta. <laughs> what is a SpaghettiO-shaped pasta called? I don't really endeavor to have SpaghettiO-shaped pasta in things. I can't think of when I've ever thought of that. No, I'm putting them the next time I make that vegetable ground beef soup that we did last week. Well, see, in my mind, it's always like a shell or like a macaroni noodle. I know we talked about this that last week. That soup but... a la Joe is going to have a SpaghettiO fine. noodle, and that noodle is called an anelli. An anelli. This dry ring-shaped pasta is used in soup salads and oven-baked pasta dishes. Americans will often find anelli in canned soups and mixed... Like Chef Boyardee. Exactly. Spaghettios <laughs> and mixed dishes, particularly popular with children. Yeah, children, like Joe. <laughs> Just, I need some Spaghettios in my beef soup, Mom. <laughs> when I do it and you bow down to the flavors, <laughs> yes. you can come back here and eat all your crow. I bowed down to the lamb goat curry we're going to talk about in a minute. Well, do you want to talk about that now? Or do you want to talk about the zatar garlic spinach pasta with chicken meatballs? Let's talk about the goat curry. Let's do it. Both of the meals this week that we're going to talk about is all about the same thing with that sausage. And that's using what I have. Yep. Back when I thought it would be a great idea to do the curry challenge at the beginning of this season. Uh-huh. I said the next one was going to be goat curry. Uh-huh. And I had a serving of goat chops that I was holding on to waiting for more. They never came. So I had this puny little goat serving that wasn't going to make a full curry dish. Mm -hmm. Then in my meat box, we got some beautiful lamb chops. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know what? I got the lamb chops. I got these goat curries been staring me at the face for months now. Let's get this on. So it was like mutton curry, basically. Yeah. And aside from doing the like lamb bowls, the Mediterranean lamb bowls, this right. is really my favorite. When you put it in some kind of a stew or gravy or something like cook it down, mm, that's how I like goat and lamb. It's how I do it. I scan the pantry for what's available. Lamb chops, this goat chop. And then a let's, bunch of root vegetables. <laughs> let's do it. A bunch of root vegetables, some greens. Can you find me some onions? Yeah. After you sear your meat in the Instant Pot pot, mm-hmm. this just becomes a dump dish. Onion, garlic, ginger, I asked you for green onions fresh out of the garden. Mm-hmm. Your fresh thyme. And this was a curry powder mm-hmm. curry. Now, I used a curry powder from the grocery store. Okay. But you can make your own curry powders. Right. And we'll talk about a homemade curry powder in just a second. Our broth, a little tomato paste, our sweet potatoes, salt and pepper in the Instant Pot. It was really good. Like really, really, really good. When like the- fall, the meat was like perfectly... You know how when you're eating some kind of a curry and the meat just stays like stuck to the bone and right. you're just like you gnawing struggle with and it. you're trying to cut it. And and it's not easy. Mm-mm. This will fall right off the bone into the curry pot. 
Mm. Well, that's how you so that's good. how you serve it. The chops have the bone in it, and putting it right on. It's made some rice. Which, by the way, Maggie definitely got herself one of those bones because one of the days she was hanging out with me and she went in the coop, which I don't mind because she doesn't bother anything. And she went right over. She grabbed a bone and ran out as fast as she could of the coop. (laughs) I went out today to see your dad who had come over to our yard Uh with their chicken bowl. So I went out just to say hi. And and he goes, I think your dog's got a big piece of sausage. And I looked around the corner where he was pointing and our tiny Kaishan's got a big hunk of sausage, which I knew I had given to the chickens. He doesn't need to eat that. That's going to make he him doesn't. sick. Of course not. I caught him in the act. So I had cleaned out the refrigerator and that's a big chicken feed day. Everything just goes out to the coop. And I, I saw that big hunk of sausage in there. Mm-hmm. It's Charles Weber on here, you guys. So I get the sausage away from him and I throw it back over the coop fence and I say, I don't know how he got that because I know that it made it in there and he didn't have access so anyway we're chatting and just kind of keeping one eye on the chickens because it's a great tv show after they get a big bowl of food uh-huh and one of the chickens comes running away from the others with a big sausage in his mouth <laughs> and drops it near the fence and we figured it out so he can reach the he can reach through the yeah. fence and paw things over to him so he must rush at the chickens get them to run off and then he's bringing full lengths of sausage into his <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we have a uh, Charlotte's Web on our fence line, you guys. We and by that I mean, you know how like the, all the animals would hang out together and we're all friends in Charlotte's Web. Well, the cows next door are little miniature Dexter cows. They're right. super cute little cows. Our next and, door neighbors. Yeah, and they're in the pasture next door. And Kaishin and them are super buds. They bark and play and whatever. And the Longhorns come up to the back pasture gate all of the time. And Kaishin barking at everybody and he's chasing. And then there's rabbits running through. And I'm sure that, well, there's certainly rats where there's seeds and things. So today I go up to the front garden. I was doing a lot of cleaning. So I was bringing lots and lots of buckets of clover and that pricker dandelion type stuff and just all these different things, bringing those back When you weed, you stick them in a bucket. When I go to harvest or weed and seed, I bring bucket loads. It's basically their harvest to the chickens. And sometimes it's stuff that I purposefully planted as like animal or cover crop type stuff. Anyways, those cows started pacing as I would take the buckets back. And then at one point, one of them literally called out to me, mooed at me. And so I walked over the fence and I brought over something. And then after that, They mooed at me again. So I brought one over and took it over to them. At that point, there's eight cows up in the corner right by my garden, as close as they can get, just staring at me. I go, I mean, they're begging. Yeah, they're They're literally They see that bucket of deliciousness. It's hilarious, this Charlotte's Web that I watch. So did they get some of the chicken food? Yeah, I gave them some of the buckets of green, like quite a bit, because they were just so happy to have it. Well, then you say, hey, go out to my car and get a big box of produce waste from, yeah. speaking of natural grocers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we go there, we'll ask the produce manager if they've got any waste. Yeah. This is stuff they're not legally allowed, even though it's day-old produce, basically. Right. That stuff that has one little bruise yeah. that means that yeah. that apple will never sell. Yeah. Or the spinach is you know, one day old, whatever. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking that, that there's a law that this this right here couldn't go to, say, Salvation Army or something, you know. Yeah, but this is the best way for that stuff to get used. And I, no, when they're I legal, saw they the can't guy, do it. They're not, they legally right. can't do it. So yeah. when you come and make a relationship with them and say, hey, you know, we have backyard chickens or a flock of chickens, they'll give you the produce waste. 
I told you tonight, a lesson in living here this evening is uh-huh. there is plenty. Those cows can have as much as they need. Yeah, there's plenty. Absolutely. They had a huge pile of spinach to eat tonight. Those eggs are going to be delicious. So yeah, if you've got animals, you should definitely check in with them when you go over there. It's springtime. And of course, you know what that means in the garden. It means that I am crazily planting seeds as fast as I can and watching my flowers start to bloom and beginning to harvest the greens as quickly as I can to keep them from flowering. So Mm -hmm. like the lettuce and the broccoli and all of those types of things. So we're in a seed and bloom season, March, April. What are we planting? What are the intentions we're planting? And then what things are flowering now that we've planted from the past and talking about that at the dinner table about the dinner table podcast. Oh, right. It feels like a big explosion of creativity between you and I recently. Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's the thing is that March is like that. There's a lot of like creative energy. That's why there's spring cleaning. That's why there's gardens being planted. It's because people are so thankful to be past the kind of gray, cold, brown season and ready to be into the green and the colors. It's always interesting to talk about the podcast this way. Yeah, it's bringing our guests to the table in all ways. You have told me forever and ever and ever that we needed to get our podcast up on YouTube. Absolutely. YouTube is how I find a podcast that I like enough to put it in my actual podcast streaming service. How often are you going into your podcast streaming service? Well, I go into Spotify every other day or so, uh-huh. listening to music and stuff like that. Yeah, like I listen to the Mark Maron podcast, depending mm-hmm. on who his guest is. Yeah. And I want to see if he talked to Paul Thomas Anderson over a year ago, for yeah. example. Yeah. yeah, I'll find that on YouTube. Exactly. That That's kind of what I mean. It's like, I have a few people that that's the only place I listen to their podcast is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it gives me enough of an episode or a full episode where it gives me the ability to decide whether or not there's someone I would get in my like followed list on Spotify, which is where I listen to a podcast if I listen regularly. See, I'm finding myself having to teach people how to use podcasts a lot right now. Well, there you go. There's a seed that we plant. Okay, these are the types of places you can listen. So what is your listening device normally? Right. What's yours normally? Oh, Google Podcast. Google Podcast. So if someone says, hey... Uh, I found the new podcast, Dinner Table Talks. I go to Google Podcast, find it in there, and subscribe to it. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm looking through my feed of all the podcasts I subscribe to, I'll remember, oh, yeah, Aislinn told me about that. Let me listen to it. Here it is. Mm-hmm. So on that garlic ginger post I made, mm-hmm. someone said, oh, hey, tell me how to push notify about your podcast. In right. other words... When a new episode comes out, something comes up on my phone. Which is easy on YouTube because you can just push the subscribe button and then you get notifications. Well, I learned that if you go to our website, there is no way to do that. Mm -hmm, Right. I had to ask my friend, well, where do you listen to podcasts? And once he told me which one it was, you go to the Dinner Table Talk page and you click subscribe. That's the thing about trying to reach people in that podcast world is that there's so many different ways to listen to podcasts. Yeah. That it's a bit confusing for people that are just now entering the podcast listening world. Right. At least with like Roku, you know, like I've got six stations up there. I've got my YouTube station. I've got my Netflix station. I got my Hulu station. I got my HBO Max station. You know, like probably why YouTube is working to get more people's attention is because it's kind of a universal one that everyone knows. And I don't care where people listen. Right. No, no, no. Yeah, we don't care where you listen. And, you, and YouTube would be a place I would listen to it if it came across my thing. Yeah. And so I had to get you over the hump of getting it 
finding a place oh, to gonna convert my mp3 to my to an mp4 yeah that's still, all. i still haven't ironed it all out yet all that being said we have planted the seeds and the <laughs> flowers are starting to bloom um and we actually have one episode up yeah i put one up and then there's more on the way it's actually a dinner table talks playlist on aislin campbell's youtube channel so if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, it's already up there. I do all my gardening videos and I put voices for wellness and you should go subscribe to that right now. And then you'll get a notification that it's coming out over there too. If you've got questions about how to listen to the podcast regularly, like you're, you're a listener, but you don't get it regularly. So you forget to listen and you want to listen, but you forget about it. Send us a DM and we'll help you figure it out. Okay, now this is the big one, a huge seed that we're planting, but comes from, I think, the flowering of some other projects that have been happening out here at Freedom Harvest Farms. So you guys have heard the development of farm-to-table dinners. We're coming around to being a year of having started doing those. Long lunch clubs that have been going on for six months now. And then, of course, other types of parties like the big crawfish boil mm -hmm. and the Friendsgiving and yep. just all the different things that we're doing out here. Someone did mention the other day, dang, I sure wish that you guys would do some kind of dinner club like you do the lunch club because I'd really like to come out there at dinner time. And then I thought, I know exactly what we should do. We should bring dinner table talks to life by hosting a dinner event. A dinner table talks dinner. And then my mind started going like, how does this come together and what is the heart-centered part of it? Right. Well, remember how we used to do your birthday party where we'd try to pull together these like dinner events, talking events, salon mm -hmm. we events? We had my salon birthday parties. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, my 50th birthday party is coming up soon. I know. So that's... I, I want to do another salon. We're putting it on the calendar. I imagine Aislinn and Joe putting on a dinner table talk dinner that is like a salon. And then we had looked this up when we had those birthday parties. A salon is a gathering of people held by an inspiring host. Well, that's easy. I'm inspiring. Yeah, so I'm hosting it. We'll say that that's, you're that one. <laughs> During the gathering, they amuse one another and increase their knowledge through conversation. Well, we have to have an amuse-bouche. So amuse, of course. Bleh. These gatherings often consciously followed Horace's definition of the aims of poetry, either to please or to educate. I think anyone that listens to Dinner Table Talks and how it has evolved over the last three seasons, they would say that's exactly what we do at the dinner table. So I made chicken, spinach, mushroom enchiladas for the last long lunch club that you had. Yes. I would do that for a Dinner Table Talk dinner. Yep. I actually suggested the thing that you made last night that we're about to talk about was a good example of something that could be done. Small table? Yeah, exactly. Just like the long lunch club. We're selling out with just a very small table. We cook the food. You and I. Oh, and we can do like random questions of the week or something. We can I incorporate all, all the fun. I even imagine bringing artists in to be a part of the salon. How great would that be? I think that there's so many opportunities to allow this evolve, just like we've allowed the podcast to evolve. But now we're adding a whole nother element to bringing the podcast to a living experience that we have with guests here at the dinner table with us. I mean, this is what we've been talking about the last few episodes. We've been talking about bringing well, we you have, to the dinner table. Yeah, details to hammer out. But I mean, if you're talking about just serving a meal to a table full of friends, yeah. like, I can't think of anything I'd rather do. Exactly. So what we're doing is 
launching for you guys tonight the Dinner Table Talk Salon, which will be ideally a monthly event. We would generally host it on a Friday evening with a long supper, and we're offering it to you guys first. For a few weeks, this is listeners only. So what you'll need to do is right away, because some of you know how fast this goes, DM us to get the link to reserve your seat at the first salon, which is going to happen on Friday, May the 6th, probably about 7 p.m., because I'd like it to be an evening event. I like the Friday, because sometimes when we do the weeknight events, people say that's an obstacle. Yeah, it's a little bit of an easier night. Another thing to keep in mind, May 6th is actually the Friday before Mother's Day. So if you're the mother and you'd like to come, you can probably talk your guy into bringing you. Or if you're thinking of trying to buy a great gift for a mother that you love, a couple's night out at a farm with a farm-to-table meal and awesome conversation sounds like a treat to me as a mother. And if you don't live near us, take your mom out to one of these kinds of things wherever you live. Please do. (laughs) When we say this, every time we talk about these events, we say, look for this in your area. There's a farm that does this in your area. There's a farm-to-table restaurant in your area. If there's not one in your area, look at your adjacent metropolitan area and the rural farms are just outside of that. That's usually where you're going to find these kinds of things. They're around. And if you have any other questions about anything that's going on at the farm, you can always check out my website, aislinncampbell.com. Because we were talking about YouTube and we want you guys to get involved in catching anything that Dinner Table Talks puts up on our YouTube channel, Check out Aislinn Campbell's YouTube channel and subscribe today. Thanks, guys. Okay, now tell us about this amazing dish that we've been amping up as a potential dinner table dinner meal. In my meat box was ground chicken. You're like, what do we do with ground chicken? Yeah, ground chicken is not a thing I do. Yeah. So, so a couple weeks ago when I got the meat box, I Googled how to use ground chicken. And of course, a chicken burger. That sounds kind of dry to me. I agree. That's why I've never made those. Maybe we should try that someday. I imagine ground chicken will come around in a box before too long. Yeah. Chicken lasagna. Use the ground chicken instead of ground beef or a lasagna or anything. Now fast forward to you just sending me a recipe out of the blue. It literally. I'm in the middle of the garden and I had already said pasta and I know we've got spinach and tomatoes and like, and he's like all the chunky vegetables. And I can see his mind going all the way towards tomato sauce, pasta again. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I mean. Pasta, spinach, look, 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 lemon, parsley, spinach. Okay. Boom. And I send that to him. It said, I, I think I saw this, the word Mediterranean. I don't, I didn't even look at the recipe. I have no idea what I've sent him. And he's like, and I'm like, whatever I sent must have been good. Who wouldn't say F and A to something called Zatar garlic spinach pasta? Now, Zatar has an apostrophe in it. What Zatar are you talking about? (laughs) Z-A apostrophe A-T-A-R. But what is this Zatar of which you speak? It's an ingredient that I do not know. Uh Let me analogize it for you. As garam masala is to India, Pakistan, that area, Zatar is to the Mediterranean. We've talked about this cuisine a lot in past episodes. So go back and listen, and you're going to hear all about garam masala. Just go back. Zatar is an ubiquitous spice mixture in the Middle East. And they use it to season everything. Hummus, baba ganoush, vegetables, meats, all of it. Mm-hmm. While it is available in jars like you find in the seasoning area of your grocery store, mm-hmm. not in our grocery stores. Hmm. 
you had mentioned that it's very difficult for someone to say, I want to make it like so-and-so's restaurant makes it. I want it just like that. It's impossible to get it exactly as that family or that culture has made it perfect for their flavors. Well, I'll tell you what is in a majority of the recipes, and you can imagine what this flavor profile is. Mm -hmm. Thyme, cumin, coriander, toasted sesame seeds, sumac. I don't have that. You don't have sumac. They don't have that at the grocery store either. Oh, okay. I bet you could go to the Middle Eastern market and get all Didn't have time for that, baby. Didn't have time for that. No, I'm just saying I bet you could. You're right. So I substituted more lemon zest for it. Salt. Whisk all that together in a small bowl. And when you came in the door, I said, take a whiff. It's really good. I'm going to put this Zatar spice recipe up because the leftovers are now in a jar in our refrigerator. And I can do some stuff with that, even if it's just marinate meat with it. When I tasted that stuff yesterday, the first response out of my mouth was, we should just make this and sell it. <laughs> Zatar. The recipe you sent me for the Zatar garlic spinach pasta was the first recipe that I've had for a pasta where it says, save some of the pasta water and use it in the sauce. Nice. Just like we've been talking about the last couple episodes. Just like we've been talking about. This was so easy to make. In your cast iron, it's just frying up some garlic, adding some of the pasta water, then wilting a bunch of spinach. A little bit of red pepper, a lot of that za'atar, more lemon zest, and then a healthy, healthy dose of Parmesan cheese mm -hmm. and parsley. Your fresh parsley, chopped up real fine, after I threw the noodles in with everything that I just said. You mix it, you mix it, you mix it, you mix it. The cheese melts. I thought it was really good. It was very good. I did say after mentioning, we could do this at a dinner table dinner because you got a simple pasta and then you've got the chicken meatballs you're going to talk about in a second. But it's not quite there yet, which is a thing yeah. that things occur on the podcast the very first time we ever try something. I'll Maybe, get close a lot of times. Yeah. Just a couple degrees oh. off. Well, your spinach chicken enchiladas, now granted, you have made spinach chicken enchiladas a bunch of times. So even with a brand new recipe, you made it spot on. It was perfect. So yeah, you get recipes down and you can really make them taste amazing. Had I not Googled what to do with my ground chicken prior to this meal even coming into existence, I wouldn't have immediately gone straight to let's get, bring those chicken meatballs in for this meal. I was so impressed with this whole idea that just flew out of both of our butts and ended together on our plate. <laughs> it was so delicious. <laughs> After a long and lengthy conversation about gut health, I think that you need a different choice of words. In your bowl, you've got your pound of ground chicken and egg, your breadcrumbs. I use those gluten-free ones that really come Thank in you. handy. Thank you. Speaking of gut health. Parmesan cheese, oil, garlic, salt, pepper. I didn't use Italian seasoning. I used a big healthy pinch of my... Zatar. Exactly. Form it into meatballs. Put it on your foil lined sheet. They go into the oven. And then you served them on top of the pasta. And we had a delicious salad with homemade ranch dressing and some delicious heirloom tomatoes. I didn't grow those yet. And some carrots. Yeah, it was like... A staged meal. It was so perfect. By putting zatar in the meatballs, I just figured I'd have a nice bridge between it was, the pasta and it was. It, it fell together very harmoniously, babe. I'm so proud of us. All of these recipes will be in the show notes on our YouTube notes. Huh? Yeah. And on our Facebook page. Yeah, all those places you can find us. So that's what's happening in the garden at the dinner table. We're planting seeds. We're watching flowers bloom. Like you guys talking to us. Please keep doing it. And we're going to continue to see 
and hear from more listeners from across the world. Those flowers are blooming and that's just making us want to plant more seeds. So if you've got ideas of things we could talk about on the podcast, send us a DM. Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. If you could donate $100,000 to any philanthropic cause or charity organization, which one would you choose and why? Every time I hear a question like this, my answer is typically I will break it up into the proper number of chunks and give a large gift to several local nonprofits that do But I'm holding a gun to I, your head like yeah, we did a couple weeks ago. I have to give it all to one? That's correct. K-Space. Yeah, it's got to be local. K-Space Contemporary is a local contemporary art collective museum educational effort. Mm-hmm. Put on juried shows. Cool. I wonder what they could do with $100,000 if somebody handed it to them today. Let's ask that question. Asking somebody at K-Space, just imagine if I was able to hand you $100,000 is just a blank, here it is. What would you do with $100,000? I think that would be fun to know. And I like the whole concept of imagining gets you to manifestation. I'll see if I can get an answer. I bet you can. I imagine this would be such a subjective question. If you ask 10 people, you'd get 10 different answers. Right. Who would you give it to? Grow Local South Texas. That makes a lot of sense. I'm the founder. That's what we do. I'm a forever donor. Whatever I have to give, I will give. Which, by the way, I do want to mention, this Wednesday, March 30th, is the 10-year anniversary of the Corpus Christi Downtown Farmer's Market, which is now called the Grow Local Farmer's Market. I'm going to be speaking at it. But I wish you guys that are local would come out to it and celebrate 10 years of you and me just throwing up tables and calling the media and saying we're having a farmer's market. Oh, those were the days. Cones, man. Cones. Oh, God, I had to move those cones. <laughs> Any of you that knew us back then, you can completely understand why we are so picky about the type of labor we do related to events because we've done it. Traffic cones are the worst. I probably have a parasite. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.